Mm. Welcome to the first episode of Eastern World 2023 Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone, and not joining me this season is the Canadian who has videos including Stab and Prick, You Will Have It, and Squirt and Swallow in his collection, Logan Saunders. But instead, the guy who has a real problem with getting wet whenever he's in a casting line, David Bindley. Yes, I do. Good morning. You sound awfully non-Canadian. What the hell is happening? I know, it's weird. And as is now traditional, we're going to start with some parish notices. As you may have seen on social media, Logan couldn't be asked doing this season and has instead decided to go on holiday for three months. So instead, you have the dulcet tones of David Bindley for, for the entire season, as far as we're aware. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, we apologise in advance. Yeah. Especially as you did jinx it and make it South Africa too as the location. Yeah. Well done, you. Yeah. It's all my fault. It is. You actually said that when the location was revealed, you're like, oh shit, I actually joked about this, didn't I? Damn it. Don't blame me, I read it for Namibia. <laughs> the best thing is I actually had to cut some references in our uh, historians that will be coming out later this year to, oh yeah, Namibia was a great season, because, you know, Namibia isn't a season. And the real question that everyone wants to know is, where in the world is Logan Saunders? Well, that <laughs> traitor is currently trapped in the wet room with Stephanie LaGrossa. Not for the first time, let's be honest. No. And with Logan being away, obviously there is a slight amendment to uh, to our usual pool and suspicions. As I said to you before we uh, we started recording, Logan still hasn't sent me his suspicions. So it's going to be a nice surprise for everyone on Thursday when suspicions get revealed, because I've no idea who Logan suspects yet. You have no idea who you suspect yet. I know who I kind of suspect. You know who you kind of suspect, and you've not told me yet, we'll get to that at the end of the episode, but neither of us know who Logan suspects, because he's still not seen the episode. The good news is you can tell us who you suspect at First Suspicions, which is in the link in our bio and has been spammed everywhere. It will also be in the link in this episode. And you may have also noticed that the Baltimore Suspect List is now hosted at suspectlist.rtbwarriors.com. Basically, during the mid-season break, Dan wasn't sure whether he would be able to do it for this season, so I've taken over the admin of it, and Thomas from the group has made it a lot more user-friendly, and it looks amazing. And please go and do it now before we all talk you into the wrong answers. Yeah, pretty much. Do it now while you still have your own opinions, because if you've ever heard our Vidim recaps before, me and Logan at least, you'll know that I have terrible suspicions, and Bindles is almost worse than I am at guessing who the mole is. Almost. Like I've seen 55 seasons, a lot of them. I can probably count the number of moles I've got right on one hand. So this is going to go wonderfully well this season. Yeah. You know how in Historians we love to mock Logan whenever he gets them all wrong at the end? Yes, I do. I'm there for a lot of it. Prepare yourself for nine weeks' time when I do probably the same for you. Oh, of course. And now this episode. And you said you didn't particularly like this episode. I, I wasn't a huge fan of it, but... As you pointed out, there's not really a lot of good premieres of this show. Now, this show tends to be a bit weaker on the premieres, but I I like the Belgian influence. That is yeah. something I will say about this premiere. It felt a lot more like they'd actually been looking towards Belgium for once. Which is good, as opposed to looking towards the United States. Yes, which was not. Germany, or France, or Australia. Yeah, on that note, actually, the the last live episode that was released was the end of Belgia last year. And since then, we've had a particularly iconic US Mole reboot. <laughs> oh god, we're going to be talking about that all season, aren't we? Yep, 
the best thing is Yay. obviously we've recorded this year's mole historians already there are some jokes about netflix mole in there because we're recording it about the same time and prepare yourself for us to just inevitably rag on it for the next 10 weeks yeah and we recorded those so long ago that i have completely forgotten most of us mole so i'm gonna have to go and re-watch it again just to make fun of it next week and our running joke with the patreon which obviously you can subscribe at patreon if you really want to the historians episodes will be out a week early if you do the joke is always that if you subscribe at our highest tier you can make us do a season and i've always said that that would be australia six is the joke answer i have a horrible feeling that netflix mold is the new joke answer to that question yes punishing me into actually watching more than three episodes of it yeah australia six is fine it's just there's a lot of it netflix mall is actively bad yeah netflix mall is actively boring i've never given up on a mall season before ever and i'm the only person in human history to have watched the german reboot and france both of which have two plus hour episodes yeah even i haven't done both of them both of them have two plus hour episodes and Arguably, I have yeah. a soft spot for Kiela Tope, but Germany 5 was actively bad, and I still watched more of that than I watched Netflix Mall. I didn't mind Kiela Tope. No, it's obviously overly long episodes, but it's only six episodes. It could be far worse. And it's France, you get that. So we begin in an empty room with a Baker-like telephone and our new victims walking in, and Anka is the first person. She walks over to the phone as she's been watched by a mystery person, who we already know from the brief trailers that we've had of this season is Averon, because this show loves an old mole appearance, especially when Rick can't be asked. Sawyer's next, and they exchange small talk, and it's suitably awkward, and he and Yura obviously know each other, as do him and Sarah. And the phone rings once they're complete, and Anka picks it up, and Averon gives us the rundown of her mole application, like he's the host introducing her at the finale, and it is two weeks before they leave for their trip, and they were warned that they would receive another call, before they left, indicating what role they would play, and this is that call. Do you think for a second that the mole didn't know they were already the mole by this point? It's hard to say. I think they did this to try and steal some of the shine off the traders, which sort of does basically exactly the same thing. I don't know. I, I feel like doing it two weeks in advance makes it a little bit more believable that this is the first time they're finding out because then they've got those two weeks to you know go and practice archery or whatever they you know normally do but at the same time even that is sort of cutting it a bit fine yeah i don't think that dutch moles get a heap of prep time compared to belgium belgium they have like two three months normally yeah but i'm i'm a little bit suspicious that they picked the mole two weeks in advance i don't think they did I think the mole probably got a tip off and they were told to act like this is the first time they'd actually heard it. Possibly. I I will say this is the world's most depressing game of deal or no deal. Well, that's the thing, because on the Brothers Bar Discord, there's been a lot of discussion about deal or no deal UK in the last week. And then a Baker-like telephone appears at the start of Fidham. I'm like, is this Glenn Hugel sending me a sign? Not for the first time. (laughs) And why did they use Averon? Could Rick just not be bothered? I'm I'm assuming it's like some sort of metaphorical passing the baton sort of situation. I just wish if they were going to do it, they'd sort of done it a season after they had a little bit of a better mole because everyone was kind of a dud and it sort of feels like they're trying to make him seem like a bigger character than he was. Stop trying to make Averon a thing. Yeah. 
Like this would this would have been fine if they'd opened Columbia with it and you had Jan Versteg on the phone. Yeah. But it isn't fine when you got an actively boring mole. Yeah. Because that's the thing, he wasn't a bad mole necessarily. The the subreddit definitely overhype him. I think he was sixth in that poll last year. Yeah. But he's just a boring mole. I just didn't care by the end of the season. Yeah. And and you know, didn't we suffer enough of everyone last season? So we then cut to two weeks later, and everyone seems to be trapped in shipping containers. And it is Anker and Sander, Anik and Soy, Renomi and Nabil, Sarah and Yura and Frauke and Daniel all trapped in boxes around Cape Town. And the boxes were the same style with the spotty pattern as the location and cast reveals in November in the Netherlands. They use these boxes again to actually reveal the uh, to reveal the location in the cast. Hmm. I only know because I remember how weird it was to see these big spotty boxes set up. I think spotty boxes is one of Logan's videos. Also, how were these boxes not spotted in Cape Town? Because South Africa wasn't under COVID lockdown at this point. South Africa had a long COVID lockdown, but it was very much open for business by the time they were filming this, and I have no idea how there weren't any sightings. Do we know sort of what time in the day they filmed it? Because like, these parks were dead empty so maybe they did it like you know 6 a.m or something where there weren't a lot of people around the text from rick was at 201 p.m whoa i got no clue then i don't know what date but it was at 201 p.m because we saw it on screen and it's the same time zone as the netherlands isn't it oh now you're testing me it depends on the time of year because i went in september and it was gmt plus two at that point but i don't know what time of year they filmed this I think South Africa is always GMT plus two because I don't think they do daylight savings. So some of the year it is on the same time zone as Netherlands, sometimes it's not. Okay. But I may be wrong on that. It was definitely plus two when I was there. Yeah. So Rick finally actually bothers appearing after 10 minutes into the episode and explains that the mole has had a baptism of fire and the need for a poker face already. And the episode title is Connection and Rick is in a tower block brooding over Cape Town on day one and it is overlooking one of the boxes. He really is the world's most lethargic serial killer. <laughs> well, there was someone on the um, on the Mole subreddit Discord earlier saying, oh, I quite liked Rick in his season. And I never remembered Rick being that enigmatic in his season, especially compared to the rest of that cast. Yeah, oh yeah, that was a season where like, it was a perfectly fine cast, and then Rick was the dud. Yeah, I I always remember him as being a bit of a dud. Yeah. So they receive a text slash WhatsApp at 14.01, and it tells them that they have 45 minutes to escape their boxes. The first duo to escape will earn 250 euros for the pot, and each successive duo that escapes in the time will double their winnings. They must find light and work out which colour questions they should answer, and outside help can come in handy. Do you like this challenge? I don't know. I I, th- I think it's a fine challenge for sort of like mid-season sort of stuff. It's not I, I like I wouldn't have opened a season with it. Yeah. And I made the mistake of sort of checking the show's website basically while the episode was on. And I you know, I saw the challenges were up and I didn't see who was eliminated yet. But I saw the challenges up and I translated it. And it mentioned they were in coffin escape rooms and I'm like this is really disappointing by comparison when I saw it. I think it goes back to something that I talk about a lot on the Historians episodes, and I'm still very much in the Historians brain because I'm editing some of them at the moment, but I think you could do this challenge anywhere. 
and that is yeah. not necessarily the sign of a good challenge. I like it on the face of it, but you could literally transport it anywhere in the world. As they did with the boxes in the Netherlands. Yeah, and comparing it, as we probably will end up doing, to both Vidim South Africa 1 and Belgium South Africa, most of Belgium's challenges in South Africa you could do nowhere else in the world. Yep. And I don't think you can say that about the first challenge this episode. The second challenge you definitely can say 100% very South African, but I don't think you can say it about the first one. No, this first challenge was kind of dull. And the other element of it as well is the fact that because there are five pairs and they only really need four to escape to intersect, if they end up making it so the mole was in the box at the intersection, that's going to be super stupid and super irritating at the end of the season. Yeah. If they do an X marks the spot clue, I'm going to be really annoyed at them. That was the Daniel and Sarah box, wasn't it? I thought it was Renomi and Nabil. Yeah, it can't have been Daniel and Sarah, because Daniel and Sarah escaped. They just didn't get to the end point. Daniel and Sarah weren't even in the same box, just to completely ignore whatever I said. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Daniel was with Frauke and Sarah was with Yura. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was the Renomi and Nabil box that was in the, the gardens. Yeah. And being perfectly honest, skipping to the end of the episode... It's not going to be Renomi who's the mole, famous last words, because number one, she's a super fan. Number two, most importantly, she's basically Rocky again. Did you hear how much a super fan she is? Oh yeah, she, she, wasn't it her honeymoon went to all the locations from Oregon? Yep. (laughs) Yeah, she's, she's a mad super fan. Yeah, so you know, for her, the fun never ends. I just love the idea that she deliberately did an excursion with her new husband to either a paper factory or whatever it was that <laughs> everyone got kidnapped from, and the creepy abandoned theme park. And and the basement with the mannequins. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I really hope that, um, that Belgium adapt that challenge for Arizona. <laughs> I can't wait. I genuinely cannot wait for them to do Arizona. I know, I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Renomi and Nabil who were in the park in that box. Yeah. And Nabil is basically the same archetype as Averon was last year. Yeah. So I kind of don't want it to be either of them. I want it to be someone different. Like, I like Renomi. And I like Nabil. I just don't want it to be them because there's so many better options. Yeah, I mean, if they make it Anik, she may be one of my favourite moles ever because she's absolutely yeah. insane. Same with Anka, who I love. Like, I want them to finally have an athlete as the mole one year. This is not that year. No, I I think you need the right sort of athlete. And yeah. even as a super fan, I don't think that Renomi would want to be the mole. No. And I'm well aware this is very much famous last words that will come back to bite us in nine weeks if we're wrong. Now watch her get eliminated third. <laughs> so each box has a particular thumbprint on top, which presumably will be their colour. Sarah and Yora shout for someone to turn on their light for them, using bad English by their own admission, and they are the first ones to see everything in their box. The light reveals that there is a key hanging from the box, but no lot to use it. Their locals count the spots on their box and tell them that they have the most green spots, so they answer the green questions. Then Soy and Anik do the same, and they get black circles. None of these questions are very interesting, I'll be honest. No. 
I think one of the other issues with this challenge is that the people inside the boxes aren't doing anything, really. Yeah. Like, you know, you get someone to turn the light on, you get someone to count the things, and then you're using pretty much using the phone to ask the other people questions. The only thing you actually need to do is work out the map thing, which half of them don't even get to. Yeah. It goes back to something we've discussed before, and it's involving the public in challenges is something that makes both of us deeply uncomfortable. Yep. And this is basically just get the public to do the entire challenge for you. Right. The other thing wasn't a huge fan is these boxes are really, really small. And I'm like, if these boxes are that much smaller on the inside, I think your TARDISes are a bit broken. <laughs> so Saren, you're the yeah. first to escape by knowing that Nabil is the person who likes the smell of toy brochures. There is a box to unlock using their key, which releases a map, and they have to connect their locations, and Rick will be found in the middle of them. They are in Greenpoint Park in the north of Cape Town, and Sandra and Anka get their light on, and their first question as yellow is, what feature most people look for first in a man or a woman? And they say eyes. Renomi and Nabil then do something very creative and give their guy a key through the door, and he releases the map. And he also thinks that they're yellow because they can see a guy in a yellow fluorescent jacket. I, I think the funniest thing about that is Nabil sort of notices the guy in the yellow vest. But he's not even looking through the, the holes in the crate at that point. Like, he's standing in the corner. How do you think a mole would sabotage this challenge? Uh, I, I think sort of... I think this is one of those ones where you've basically got to distract the person you're working with to try and slow them down a little bit. But I also think you know, sort of once you get to the questions, you can either sort of lie about your answers so the other people take a bit longer to, you know, work around it. And I, I think the other thing that sort of helps is maybe leaving sort of straight away to get to the finish because then you get the money and you look good, but also you're not there to help the other people get out. That's my instinct, because as soon as you leave, you're costing the rest of the group money, making yourself look good. Yeah. But also you're breaking the chain. And it's something we yeah. found with the Oregon very similar challenge to this, which weirdly might be a clue for Renomi if they've basically ripped off an Oregon challenge here, with the Chinese Whispers one in the crater, yep. in the moon landscape. Because as soon as people run away from their speaker on that, the chain breaks and you just cannot complete it. Yeah. So I think it's, I think that might be the most subtle tactic to use. Obviously, you can just shout through yeah. the phone and distract people. Oh, yeah. Which everybody was clearly doing. Yeah, it depends how much you want to draw attention yeah. to yourself early on. Yeah, and then you can sort of, you know, misread questions like Anik does, where she's, you know, asking about averages for some reason. I think the sort of best performer in this challenge is that one sarcastic teenager who's like who's like the whichever pair it was is like where are we now and he's, and he's like you're in cape town i did i just want that kid to be here every episode of the season i don't even need rick to turn up i think it was for and daniel in the uh in battery <laughs> park yeah the kid just kind of has his hands on his hips and just goes you're in cape town <laughs> that is a very cape town attitude from my experience zero bullshit in south africa is great yeah so Sander and Anka are the second to escape and they're by City Hall, and Frauke and Daniel are the third by finding out that Soy was the person who left home at 15. 
and the midpoint is revealed as the iconic Cape Town location that we've all definitely heard of, the VOC Vegetable Gardens, and two of the teams head to the midpoint, abandoning the rest. It does feel like, like once you see the the list of options or the map with all the locations marked on it, that one did sort of jump out at me because this show has... Like, I, I don't want to say it sort of glamorizes colonialism, but sort of if there's a way to tie it into somewhere Dutch, they will do it. Like, we've had stuff in, in uh, Indonesia, Sri Lanka, Australia even. Like, if they can find something that sort of connects it to Holland, they're going to go and do something that connects it to Holland. Do you know where the VOC Vegetable Garden is in relation to Cape Town? There is a reason I'm asking this question, because I've just Googled it. I, I would assume it's next to the VOC greenhouse. It's a good answer, but it's actually next to a much more iconic Cape Town location, which is the Iziko South African Museum, made most famous by the Drunk Museum Heist. Ooh. I know exactly where that is from just Googling it now. Yeah. Never went to the vegetable garden, but I know exactly where that is, because I took a picture of the South African Museum. Were you drunk when you went there? I was not. What kind of a mole fan are you? I know. I did accidentally stumble upon the um, upon the bar where they started that challenge, though. Huh. I can't remember whether I've ever told this story on uh, on the podcast, actually, but... Well, you're about to. Oh, yeah. God, God yeah, I'm going over old ground, <laughs> preferably, as always. But we're in Camps Bay, which is just outside of Cape Town. It's on the hop-on-hop-off bus route, as it happens. And me and my brother... Had a look at the menu for Hard Rock Cafe there for lunch because it was super, super cheap compared to most Hard Rock Cafes. And mum and dad didn't really feel like it. So they went to a bar down the road from there. And um, so I took pictures there as as we do. And then we did the, the Belkia South Africa Historians episodes. And when it came up on the screen, I went, shit, I've been there. I know exactly where that is because it was the place where mum and dad had lunch. So I've actually had a drink at that bar. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> and I accidentally did it without even knowing it when I was in South Africa. Interesting. So I must have told that story because I would have told it on the uh, South Africa historians episodes. That's all right. There's there's enough padding in this episode that there's not really a lot for us to discuss anyway. So yeah, the city hall box is the one that I don't understand how nobody mentioned it at the time yeah. that they filmed this because that is a very public location. Mm. Daniel apparently didn't realise that they had three locations already. With only two points, you can't make a cross point. All you can make is a line. When Sarah and Yura arrive at the Vegetable Garden, they find Renomi and Nabil's box waiting for them, as do Sander and Anka. They don't realise that Rick was overlooking them at the time, and that they were correct for a total of 500 euros of 4,000 for the pot. There's no treasure this season. There isn't, and there's no physical money that we know of either. Which is great as someone who absolutely detests most of the mole money. The yeah. year that they got kids to do it was awful. And I say this every yeah. season, and I sound like an absolute misanthrope when I say it, but I hated the kid produced money. Knew yeah, that was ugly. I don't mind them not doing physical money and doing a treasurer, because also it means that the mole can't flush notes down mm. the toilet or do whatever was done in South Africa last time that we can't spoil. Yeah. What I am opposed to is something later in the episode, which is that they have now removed the word execution and it's now just elimination. Yep. I noticed they changed the music for that for the test sequence as well, which was disappointing. 
So there is mistrust after the challenge. Sander and Anka waited five minutes after they escaped before leaving, just in case people needed them to answer questions. And they are also confused about how Sarah and Yura worked out the location. Daniel says in confessional that there are two types of candidates, those who are open to answering questions, and the obvious trio of Sarah, Yura, and Soy, who aren't sharing anything with anyone other than themselves. And they are then taken to Cape Town City Hall for the final challenge of the episode, where a choral performance is going on, and Sarah says that if there's anything that she loves, it is gospel music. Oh, I love this challenge. <laughs> this is a really good challenge. Like, VSTML challenges sort of tend to be like a little bit simpler than Belgi challenges, but this one felt like you could have done it on another version of this show. Yeah. I think it's very interesting going back to Netflix Molders, I know we're going to all season, that the producers were very adamant that when they sat down with Primitives and the rights holders for for Demol, they gave them a list of the fun challenges that they've done in Belgium. And it feels like there has been a conversation between Primitives and the producers of Vidim around about the same time to go, you're going back to South Africa, do you want to borrow some challenges? Yeah. Because th- this is essentially a carbon copy of the Shosha Loza challenge which is yeah. one of my favourite challenges ever, is a very difficult challenge for them to screw up. And Vidum, for once, sticks the landing on it. Mm. Unlike Netflix Mole, with its ridiculous amount of carbon copies of great Belgian challenges that they've fucked up, it feels like Vidum absolutely nailed the landing on this one for me. Yeah. I, I think it helps that the producers of this show have sort of done this show before and they sort of like know what works instead of basically just being like, hey, I watched one episode 20 years ago. That's what this show is. Yeah. As much as, obviously, we're going to end up shitting on the Vidim producers a fair bit as is traditional on this podcast, this is a great challenge. Yeah. And it's made even better by Sarah being there. Because if they'd done it next episode, she probably wouldn't have been there. But she loves this sort of stuff. Yeah. I, I saw, I watched the preview for next week. Looks to me sort of like they're doing the Buzzwire game from uh, uh, Belgium, Argentina as well. Yeah, they are, and she's doing and, it. Which cannot wait, honestly. That is a great challenge, to be fair. If they yeah. just make this season of, of Belgian Greatest Hits, I'm I'm down for it, as long as they, yeah. as long as they make it work. Yeah. But Sarah being so appreciative is great at the start of this challenge. And obviously she's, as we find out in this challenge, got a great voice on her. But it's it's really interesting because a lot of my YouTube recommendations at the moment are the Stellenbosch University Choir, who do oh. amazing versions of popular music, but a cappella. There's a great version of Funs Some Nights because they they have like a big amphitheater in uh, in Stellenbosch. Oh, yeah. There's a, a few of them in that area. They take over like a big amphitheater for their choral performances, so it is spectacular music. So. I very much empathise with Sarah when she goes, this is amazing to be a part of, because that would be amazing to be a part of. Yeah. I have huge appreciation for a bloody good choir. And this is a bloody good choir. Yes, it is. Arguably, the music director doesn't necessarily think so, but this is a bloody good choir. I said this when we covered Shoshaloza, but it's so awkward for the choir members who get called out. Even Rick at the end was like, yeah, sorry. 
I think that actually made it even better for me was the fact that obviously they escalated social lives by having five people hidden in the choir. But yeah. the fact that Rick called it out was just like, yeah, that's really awkward. <laughs> Sorry about that. Mm. <laughs> it really made me laugh. It's almost as awkward as Rick trying to say like entire sentences in English. Like, you know how like every so, sort of so often they sort of, you know, have a low word or something and it's sort of just like it, it sort of sounds like it fits in the conversation a little bit, but then like they do entire sentences and then all of a sudden that's when you hear the Dutch accent. I think it makes it funnier the fact that we've already had an apology in this episode for bad English yeah. from Sarah and Yura, whose English was perfect, by the way. It has the same energy as Art talking to the woman at the bar in the creepy, um, creepy <laughs> doll museum in uh, in Oregon, doesn't it? <laughs> so Rick splits them into two groups of five, one with a musical ear and one who are able to immerse themselves in music. And it is Frauke, Renomi, Nabil, Anik and Daniel who are the musical ear group. And Daniel suspects Frauke and Anik, especially Anik, so wanted to be with them. I love how this is like a perfectly South African challenge that you couldn't do anywhere else. And they still felt the need to tie this into Nelson Mandela. It's like Nelson Mandela once said something about music, so it's time to do a music challenge. Well, of course. Well, the even better thing about it is we know there is a Nelson Mandela challenge coming this season because it's in the intro. There is a Nelson Mandela quote in the intro and we see one of his statues, which is presumably the one at Robin Island. I love how... That that must have been really the peak of his life, just turning up in the credits of a Dutch game show. Life lived. Yorosoi, <laughs> Sander, Anka, and Sarah are the absorbed in music group, and will be the ones giving a performance with the choir in one of the 11 languages of South Africa. And the shocked faces of the people who cannot sing in this group, namely Anka and Sander, were delicious. A judge will be listening to their performance and designate five people who don't belong in the choir, and if he doesn't pick any of them, they will earn 4,000 euros for the pot. The other group will do mini-assignments, and each of those one will add more people to the choir to help their compatriots. They will also choose who is worth which value, assigning 250 euros, 500 euros, 750, 1,000, and 1,500 euros to one of them each. How do you feel about that element of the challenge? That part's fine. Like... I know it's one of those things that VSML does every year, sort of like the mini tasks, like the Brick Factory in Columbia and all, like the Paper Factory in Oregon. Like it feels like it's sort of trying to combine that sort of challenge with the choir challenge, and it doesn't, it doesn't fail. No, like I, th- I think it helps that the the mini tasks are sort of all musically themed even if they're maybe not the most varied. Yeah, there's only so much you can really do with a music mini challenge on the mole, I think, and not exclude yeah. people. But this, this is something that Belhia does really, really well, is the two challenges working at the same time, one of them very much affecting the other. My favourite, of course, being the Carpool Karaoke one and the yep. Note de Valique. But it's nice to see Vidim actually adapt that. Because in the Shoshaloza version in, in Belkia, they assigned the money to themselves, the three choristers, and it was gambled from the pot, rather than just being a straight, you win it if you uh, if you don't get caught, you don't lose anything if you don't. Yeah. And unlike in Shoshaloza, they only get an hour to practice as well. Which feels a little bit mean. 
mean but funny. Yeah. It then leads to stuff like Sander being utterly useless, but it's still mean. So in the first room, there are three assignments, the first of which is to identify the songs from a computer voice reading the lyrics out that have been translated into Dutch, and each one correctly identified earns a choir member for the choir. The second mini assignment is for one person to hold an A note for as long as possible, the maximum being 15 seconds. And this is professional singer Anik doing this challenge. And it is just as delightful as you would possibly imagine it being. God, I, I loved it so much. I'll say this now, if Anik lasts long enough in this season, she is definitely going to be my favourite of the season. Yeah. She has 100% got the potential to be a Harmstone favour from episode one. She's giving me all the right half sounds. And she can practice for as long as she wants, but she only has one attempt to win the choir members. And she fails after 12 seconds, which is still not a terrible attempt. I mean, considering you're 15 seconds was the maximum. That's not too bad. Yeah, everyone was acting like it was the end of the world that she didn't make it to 15 seconds, but it's not as bad as some attempts we've seen in this sort of challenge. Yeah. The third challenge is to put song fragments in order. The first song is Shake It Off, and the second is Oops, I Did It Again. And then Rick hands out the envelopes, and quite cleverly, the choir members use it to write down the notes on how to sing it. I I love how he sort of comes around like he's he's the Grim Reaper in his day job as a tax accountant. Yeah, you nearly uh, you nearly gave yourself a shout out there. <laughs> yeah. Even when I was writing my notes, I had to change it. <laughs> so the fourth mini challenge is to fill in missing words from songs. And the final one is to play the song directly after the finger drums. And they can practice as much as they like, but they only get one attempt at each fragment. And each correct attempt is worth two choir members. Did you recognise the song? I did. It is a yeah. classic piece of more music. And nobody else yeah. picked up on it. It's New York, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's that it's that tinkly da 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 the thing at like the end of the the end credits. Yeah, I don't know how nobody actually called it out on the show. What side would you want to be on as mole? That's, I think you're probably better able to sabotage as a singer, but I think you'd be more effective doing the mini tasks. If that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. I think the mole would want to be on the mini challenges purely because there is yeah. more potential for them to be able to mess with people. Yeah. Whether that is fail stuff or assign the wrong values. Because yeah. stuff like Yura, for example, he's a professional singer yeah. and they don't give him the maximum amount of money that they potentially no. could. He's third, I think yeah. it was. I think he had the 750. Mm. Which I thought was very interesting because arguably he does mess up. And the group probably made the right decision there. Yeah. But if on paper you look at this cast, you go, well, you're as a singer. You probably should give him as much money as you can. Yeah. And in the finger drum challenge, there are toys on a shelf above them, which are of different heights that they can use to help them. And they complete the first part, but not the second, as time runs out. And they earned 13 of 20 choir members. And then the choir director is introduced. And they have to walk behind the choir director who has to raise his hand if he thinks that whoever is behind him doesn't belong in the choir. What do you think of Yura taking the lyrics with him and maybe making it a little bit obvious? Well, put it this way, I think Yura is my number one suspect at the moment. I think. You ask me again in ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about this when I watched last night, because Yura is the hardest person to place for me. Because yeah. given the history of Vidim, 
in recent times. They haven't had a young mole for a while. Robbie's the youngest one in probably since Yan, I think. How how young was Rob? Rob was early thirties, I think, when he was mole. Yeah, because Eurus thirty. Hmm. This is a very old cast, by the way. It is. We we sort of skipped over that, but yeah, this is the oldest cast they've done in ages. Yeah, average age is thirty-seven point three. So th- this is you know Belgia old. Yeah, so Rob is. Oh, Rob's birthday yesterday, actually. Happy birthday, Rob! Yeah, have have a birthday, Rob, because there's a non-zero chance he'll uh, listen to this. We- we'd send a cake, but I don't think Logan can stay inside for that long. No, he'd uh, he'd probably suffocate. Bless him. So Rob's thirty-six. Wow. So when he filmed, he would have been thirty-two. And he's by far the youngest mole that they've had in at least the last five years. Yeah. So they've not had a young mole for ages. And there basically aren't any young females left in the cast. So that kind of makes me think, if my theory is correct, that it's going to be one of Daniel, Soy, or Yura. But I don't think they draw so much attention to Yura's sabotages so early on, if he is the mole. I don't think it's Daniel. Daniel is the one person, aside from Sarah, that I've ruled out. Just because he's that, he's like that good at the music mini tasks. And I feel like if you're trying to sabotage, like that's sort of like the one thing you don't do. It felt like felt like he sort of he forgot to pretend to be the mole there for a minute. We'll get to that at the end of the episode. Yeah. So Yura takes the lyrics with him and gets caught, and Anka also takes her paper but gets away with it. And spoilers gets up Anna for her wonderful reaction to getting past the choir director without getting caught. <laughs> yeah. That was a special request from Matt Clemson, and who am I to say no to people? Yeah. Matt also did request the Where in the World is Logan Saunders all season, so if you're going to get bored of that joke by the end of the season, blame Matt, because it was already the sort of thing we were thinking about, and Matt's request for it sort of pushed us over the edge and went, yeah, we really want to do this, don't we? Yeah. I hear next week he's going to be trapped in an aviary with Avery. Oh, God help him. (laughs) He won't even have any pizza to help him. Yeah. So Sander has the strategy of singing softly and walking between two people who can sing, and then immediately gets caught. And with Anchor, Soy and Sarah not being selected, they earn 2,750 euros of 4,000 for the challenge, and 3,250 of 8,000 for the season so far. I don't know that we needed such long interview scenes with this music guy. Like, I realise this is an episode with sweet F all going on, but between this guy having basically a big interview either side, plus a whole bunch of people not really doing a hell of a lot in the crates, plus, you know, 20 minutes with the phone at the start of the challenge, there is a lot of padding this week. Yeah, something that got brought up on Discord as well that I want to flag is the fact that 8000 is a rather large amount of money they can get for the premiere of the season. Yeah, I'd I'd have to go back and check the last time they've been able to do four thousand two challenges in a row, but it's been a long time. Wouldn't have been since at least Japan. Yeah, I've just had a quick look at last season's premiere, and technically they could have earned eight thousand from the premiere, but they only actually can earn three thousand from the challenges in that episode because of the five thousand euro bounty on on Arno's head. Ah. So technically they could have earned 8000 last season, but it wouldn't have actually been credited until the end of the season. Yeah. 8000 is a lot of money to be able to earn from two challenges, and 
arguably I'd say both of these challenges were possible to win. Yeah. They were completely doable, which is a change from the usual, let's put it that way. And the other thing is the the weird note that actually the family photo at the start of this episode was taken at the test location, which is the Castle of Good Hope. Most famous, of course, for being part of the Don't Let Hands Back in the Show challenge from Belgia, South Africa. And the individual cast photos were taken in Bocap, which is just around the corner. Oh. It's the, the place with all the, uh, the colourful houses. Oh, yeah. So it is now time for the test. 20 questions about the identity and actions of the mole. Whoever knows these goes home except for the mole who can never go home. Naomi is in Nabil's top four. You almost wouldn't expect it to be her, and he is exactly the same with Sander, Anka, and Fraukia. No one suspects Anka in the group. Daniel is nervous. He says he doesn't know what to expect. He's going at it with probability and hopes that he survives the first test. Renomi says the first test is like an Olympic swimming final, and she knows all about that. Frauki says that Annick has assumed the role of Annick Panic, which is such a wonderful nickname. She has a feeling that it might be being played up a little there. Daniel is her second suspect. He's very restless, and she just wants him to take it a bit easy. Sawyer's going into it with mixed feelings. In the first episode, you can't really know who the mole is, so you have to spread your options. Sarah is nervous as hell. It's like looking for a needle in a haystack. If she spreads now, it will be over Fraukia, Renomi, Daniel, and Sander. Sander's got four suspects, Soy, Fraukia, Sarah, and Anik. Anka suspects the whole group, but if she has to drop some people, she trusts Renomi, Yura, and Daniel. Yura says that it's hard to say who he suspects. It's easier to say who he doesn't, and that is Fraukia and Anik. Anik suspects Renomi, Fraukia, Sarah, and Sander, and she hopes that she's not the first out. On the rooftop, which they did also have to run across uh, in Belkia, Rick asks if they're a little wiser after the first two assignments, and he says that it is time for elimination. And Rick does drum the word elimination into us, because as of this season, they have abandoned the term test and execution, and it is now test and elimination. A little bit disappointing, but I can get it. I get it. It goes back to to something that I have said surrounding Traces UK, in that, I mean, there's a non-zero chance that we'll end up covering Traces UK, and I'll tell this story again, but I got a call for Traitors UK, I did apply, and I was chatting to the casting lady, and she said that the BBC weren't particularly happy about the idea of using the word murder as an elimination method. Hmm. Obviously, in the end they did, but apparently there was a little bit of um, a little bit of hesitation on the BBC's part about having a show where people get quote-unquote murdered. Understandable. Yeah, I kind of see the same thing here. They don't want the association of people being quote-unquote executed yeah. on a show. However, it's 22 years in. You can't really change it now. Yeah. I can understand it if it's a new show, but you can't really change it 23 seasons in. Yeah, it's like how Survivor still calls them tribes, even though probably not the best idea. Yeah. It's one of those changes, like there's been a few changes in this episode. The one that, the only one that actually stuck out to me as a good idea is putting like names and occupations in the confessionals, like the little... Chirons. But those aren't consistent. The problem is the names and occupations aren't consistent. Yeah. They do it for some confessionals, but not all, which, I mean, I've already got confused once in this episode between two people with very similar names. I got confused about three or four times. It's fine. Yeah, I, I don't exactly like the idea of them getting rid of execution, and obviously any opportunity I get to uh, to still use the word execution in this show, I will do, because I'm me, and I'm petulant. At least they're not doing like the very early Australian seasons where it's questionnaire and elimination. Like that is too much of a mouthful. 
I mean, I'm fundamentally opposed to calling challenges tests and test quizzes, and I pull Saunders up on it constantly. Oh. So at the execution, suck it, Rick. Frauke and Nabil and Anka get green before Sarah, with her little groan when her name is spoken, is the first person, quote-unquote, eliminated in Vistamol history. And she tells Rick that she wrote everything down and wasn't tunnel-visioned, but tried to be a bit quick on the test, and Rick says he enjoyed her. I was quite sad that Sarah went. I liked Sarah from one episode. Yeah, I, I like a lot of this cast. I don't think they had a lot to work with, but they a lot of them managed to sort of make it work. Like, the, the weak link in this cast is maybe Sander, maybe Fraukia, but everyone else sort of seemed to have decent character development. And Sarah then goes to an elimination hotel and is given an envelope. Then inside the envelope is a note with a phone number and a message from the mole saying that she can return to the game. At 9am the next day, there will be a van waiting outside. If she wants to return to the game, it will cost money from the pot. The mole will see her at the steel factory in Saldana. And that's where the episode ends. It's, it's not quite, you know, trapped on a train line in Cuba, is it? It isn't, though. So yeah, I think if Sarah had stuck around a little bit longer, she probably would have been another Harmstone favour, or at least yeah. a contender for it. If she comes back, she may still have the chance. However, do you think she's coming back? I think whatever challenge they're going to give her is going to be basically un- unwinnable, and I think she's you know going to get the real taxi edit. I feel like her winning... Her winning her way back will be something like you've got to complete the, the buzzwire. Yeah. Which, as we know from experience, is utterly impossible. Yeah. Or even you've got to make it so that the other people don't win any money at all in the next challenge. What I would like is for her to be kind of trapped underground doing the, the buzzwire and no one else to know that she's there. Yeah. So she's doing the buzzwire and it's setting off electro pads on, on everyone else and it's drawing attention to them. And they have no idea why those are getting set off. Because I love that sort of a, a joke challenge. Yeah. But if she comes back, she's not a suspect. That's the problem. Like, from an admin point of view, I've left her on the suspect list this week. Yeah. And obviously I don't take anyone off first suspicions, so you get a freebie if if the first person eliminated is your last one. But I don't think even if she does come back that anyone's ever going to suspect her. No. So, talking of people who we suspect... Who do you suspect? Okay, so first is Yura. Um, I think he sort of ended up in basically the right role a little bit too much, and then there's other things, like how he was sort of trying to distract the other singers when they were learning. Second is Anka, and third is Fraukia, because I think, I, I, think I think it's a woman this year, honestly. We've had so many men lately. I kind of would be bored if it's another man fourth is soy i don't i I feel like they were trying to give us like a little bit of a clue when rick was talking about a poker face and then he just sort of immediately looks at sarah like maybe he knew but we don't hear who we suspect so i think maybe he's sort of looking at her thinking she was the mole so i sort of don't know which way to go with that anik is fifth because god i want it to be her (laughs) so bad yeah, I, I want it to be her, but I have no reason it's her. So she's sort of sort of solidly in the middle. Sanders six because we don't really get a lot from him, and what we do get from him, he doesn't make any money. 
Nabil is seventh because he feels a little bit too much of a candidate to be them all. Nothing to base that on, just that's how I feel. And uh, Renomi is eighth. And then sort of Sarah and Daniel, I sort of had equal bottom because I just can't see either of them being them all. How about you? So preseason, my suspicion, looking purely at the bios and working off the the Muriel principle of this would be hilarious to make this person the mole. I suspected Daniel oh. because he's an undercover journalist. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like that's the most fun job of these, of these 10 to make work. Cause he obviously has the, the skills in theory to be able to hide in a group and stuff. And I was very tunnel visioned on him this episode. So he is my number one. Huh? Only because his wording on that confessional about, there's two types of candidates, was very strange. It felt like him speaking from the outside as someone who isn't a candidate to me. And we got a couple of confessionals from him, and not that many from anyone else, talking about the game. So it feels to me like, he, even if he's not the mole, he's a major player in this season, purely because we're not getting loads of him, Yeah, but we're not being allowed to forget about him. Yeah, I, I don't think he'll be out next week, even if he is a like, genuine candidate. I think he's Probably top five at least. And then my second suspect was Soy, for much the same reasons that you were suspicious of him. In that if it's going to be a young guy, it'll probably be someone like Soy, who everyone seems to like. But the argument against him, <laughs> this is what I mean about me absolutely having no idea, the argument against him and Yura, and less Sarah, because she's probably going to be out of the game pretty quickly, is the fact that they came in knowing each other, and it gives people an unfair advantage. And I don't know whether even Vidim would be stupid enough to have an obvious group of three like that. I don't know. US Mall, absolutely. Yeah, I have a bit more faith in, in Vidim producers than I do US Mall producers to not do something like that. My third originally was Yura last night, but I have now changed it to Anchor. Because I think if it's going to be someone who was in the choir group, she is most likely to endear people to her and then be able to sabotage. Then I put Yora. Then I need to get my suspect list up, but I think it was Frauke fifth. No, it was it was Anik fifth. Then Frauke sixth, and then kind of the bottom trio of Renomi, Sander, and Nabil in some order. I don't think it's going to be Sander purely because he feels very much like a sort of Yokum character who's lovely but has no idea what he's doing on this show. Oh yeah. And I mean, he's already posted on, on Instagram a video of his children reacting to him being on Vidim, which was very reminiscent of Jochen. Yeah. I think Renomi is a bit too fanatical to say yes to being the mole. Yep. I think she knows herself a bit too well to go, nah, I probably wouldn't enjoy it as much. And if I'm going to be on VS to mole, I want to do it as a candidate and potential winner. Yeah. And Nabil just, yeah, he feels too contestantly to me. And then obviously Sarah is at the bottom. It's interesting that pretty much aside from Daniel, we're basically reasonably similar. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm completely baffled this season already. I'll be perfectly yeah. honest. I have no idea what the pool's going to be like because traditionally, we do record these podcasts and go, "Oh, you'll find out what the pool is on uh, on Friday when we release it," or you'll find out in the podcast next week. And usually yeah. by that point, I know who everyone's pool teams are. I'm just not going to reveal them this season because Logan and Michelle are both on holiday at the moment. I have no idea who's going to be on which team. It's going to be hilarious fun. I've got the last draft, so 
my opinions kind of don't matter in that respect. <laughs> so next time everyone avoids drones, Sarah does a buzzwire, and there are photos taken in a South African market. Who do you think's going home next week? Well, Sarah. Yeah, o- other than Sarah. I don't know. I, I I feel like we're not getting a lot out of Fraukia, which makes me think she's not going to be there for very long, so they're not bothering. Yeah. The other option is probably Sander. Yeah, I, both of them do feel very early early season fodder, which is a shame because it's basically the argument I made about Netflix Mole having an average age of like 13, is that you yeah. do need the token old people to just kind of make it entertaining. And if you get rid of two of the oldest people in the cast straight away, it's going to be, it's going to be kind of flying in the face of everything I said. Hmm. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see either of them go pretty early. Have you got anything else you want to say about this episode? I'm good. A fairly kind of interesting episode to talk about. I think the second challenge was much stronger than the first. Yep. I think they need to remember that the location is meant to be the 11th player. Yeah. Or the 12th last season. Or the 57th in the case of the next Australian season when that happens in a few years. (laughs) It's an intruder contestant. (laughs) Imagine 10 getting their hands on Mole. Oh, God. Haven't we suffered enough? So yeah, the usual reminders from me, don't forget the suspect list. The link is in our bio. It's suspectlist.rtbwarriors.com. You should get an email reminder every week to say that it's been opened. I will try and do it as quickly as I can as soon as we get the subtitles. This week was about four o'clock on Sunday, so it'll be hopefully somewhere around then every week. Maybe not the last week because I'm away, but certainly as close to the subtitles as is physically possible. First Suspicions is also in our bio. Please submit it. I will be going through all the fun stats next week and it is my absolute favorite thing each season to have a look at the stats so please give me lots of data because i love it and it is, it is my absolute favorite thing to fall asleep during that section oh no it's it's a great like <laughs> five minute break for people to skip is just yeah. me reading out numbers but i i genuinely love looking at people's suspicions and and working out whose team's strongest and all that sort of stuff and yeah. uh, it's fascinating for me I don't think it's fascinating yeah. for many people when they listen to the podcast, but it's fascinating for me, and that's all that matters. It's all about you. Yeah, everything's about me. You should know that by now. After hundreds and hundreds of episodes. Yes, I do. Well, 25. Yeah, given this year, we are staring down the barrel of episode 500. And actually, on that note, the the structure for this year is probably going to end up being Vidim Hunted Belgia as the live seasons. Then, I'm not sure how much of a break there'll be, depending on how many episodes we actually record this year. But there will be at least two historian seasons, if not three. We've recorded two of them already, so I can guarantee two at least. And yeah. somewhere in that gap will be episode number 500 this year as well. Yay! We've already recorded enough episodes to make, make it to episode 500, I think. So I can uh, I can say with a reasonable amount of confidence that we're, uh, we're going to be doing episode 500 this year. And I have oh, an really? idea for it, and it's going to be very fun. And I'm not telling anyone yet. It's going to be great. Not even me? Oh god, no. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> I might rope you into it yet. <laughs> so, thank you for listening to our Vista Mole 2023 recap. We'll be back next week to continue the hunt for another new mole in South Africa for the second time in Bidham history. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, where we are RTV Warriors, or you can email us and contact at rtvwarriors.com. Bindles is on Twitter at the Grim Recapper, and I'm MJ Helmstone. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash rtvwarriors. Thank you as always to Marika for the subtitles. We'll see you next week. How many ping pong balls can you fit in a foreshadowing? We're not foreshadowing that. <laughs> <laughs>